Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Braden Enterman. Good morning, everyone. Before we open the Word of God today, I would like to invite you to bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we have so much to be thankful for today. The sun is shining and we are together as a family here today. I want to thank you for the adventurers. I want to thank you for people like Jason who give of themselves to be a blessing to young people. And Lord, we're living in a dangerous world right now. And I want to thank you so much that you can do anything with anyone at any time. And I pray that your name would be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen. I realized just the other day that um, for all the time that I've been here, this is my second year at Maitland, I don't think I've shared my testimony. Someone might correct me on that one. I think I've shared bits and pieces, but I haven't shared just the basics of my story and how God has made a difference in my life. And today I would like to do that. I've got just under 20 minutes to do that, so please pray for me. Have you ever been walking along a pathway um, there's concrete or bitumen and you've seen a flower just coming out of nowhere it might just be this little tiny crack in the concrete and there's a flower that grows out of it and it just think, you just think how in the world could something so beautiful grow out of such a, an, an environment that is so not ideal I mean I can understand big flowers and, and beautiful rose gardens growing where there's the, the soil has been fertilised and cultivated and amazing things but Concrete? That's just not a good environment. Where, where did, how do you get water? It, it can only go down the little bits of cracks there. And what about the nutrition for the soil? It doesn't get ploughed. It's a very unideal environment to grow, and yet flowers grow. Is there anyone who can put up their hand in this room and say that they were born in a perfect environment, raised by perfect parents? went to a perfect school with perfect teachers. Can anyone put up their hand and say that? I can't either. If we look at the environments that each of us grew up in, some people had it more challenging than others. Some people had more opportunities from the beginning. But if you look at every particular situation of where people were born and where they grew up in, it was less than ideal and less than perfect. And yet, God can do things like this in people's lives, and he does do it on a daily basis. And I just want to stand here today and testify that even with all the things, the things that were not ideal, God has been able to help me to grow and to help me to have a relationship with Jesus and to transform my life just like he does to this flower, bringing it up out of the concrete. And so I want to share a little bit about my story today. Remember what, when someone said that we've, we've met the Messiah, he's from Nazareth, what was the response of one particular individual? Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Apparently Nazareth had a bit of a reputation. A reputation of being a place that you wouldn't think that anyone or anything good could ever come out of that place. Can you think of a suburb? You know, I've heard a lot of people saying about particular suburbs in Sydney. Daniel, you could probably tell us a few suburbs in the local area that you asked the question, can there any good thing come out of that suburb? I had a, I had a teacher in high school 
The guy on the right-hand side, does anyone know Jim Searle from Queensland? Good, I can talk about him. So he was a relief teacher for me um, when, I was, when I was in high school. And he was your typical joker. He, there's never a day where he doesn't have a smile on his face, a sly smile on his face, and a joke up his sleeve. And without fail, every single time that he would see me, he would say, can there any good thing come out of Ipswich? I was born in Ipswich, raised in Ipswich, and I don't know, I thought Ipswich was a nice place, but people, people have a, a, some, um, I guess, not so fond perspectives of what Ipswich is. And every single time without fail, he would say, can there any good thing come out of Ipswich? And it always gave me a good laugh, because he'd always um, just be saying, without fail, it's like clockwork, whenever you see him. Now, Ipswich isn't the perfect place to grow up in. But God doesn't need perfect environments to do amazing things in your life. Think about the situation that you have right now. What is the things that you wish you could change? Maybe it might be the suburb that you're living in. You wish you could live in another suburb. Maybe it's the family members that you have. Maybe it's your financial situation. Maybe it's your friendship dynamic. Maybe it's your work dynamic that you wish you could change it. And you think, if only I could change my environment, then I would be fine. The Bible makes it very clear that God doesn't need perfect environments to do amazing things in our life. He just needs a humble and a willing spirit. And no matter what we face, no matter what environment we grew up in, no matter what terrible things we experience, God God is not limited by our broken circumstances. And realizing that is a very important thing because we can look to God and say, what can you do in my life today? I just want to show you a few photos. I've lost all of my photos on my computer when I upgraded. I have to track them down somewhere. But I went to trusty Facebook this morning to track down a few that were on my Facebook. Um, This is a picture of me and my family. I'm one of three uh, children, my dad Gary and Leanne, my mother. Um, This is a number of years ago when we took this photo together. Here's a picture of me graduating from primary school on the right-hand side there. And that is my cohort, all six of us. I went to a small small school in Ipswich, Ipswich Seventh-day Adventist School, and um, enjoyed my time there. Here's another photo. My sister on my shoulders, my brother next to me, my cousins Jacob and Bailey uh, next to Callum as well. Uh, Here's a photo of me and uh, my favourite dog, Coco. Coco is no longer with us. Poor dog, she she was allergic to grass and dropped hair like nothing else, so we couldn't have her inside. Um, And so she'd scratch on the grass to relieve her itch. And, yeah, it was just a sad story. Coco was really nice, though. Here's another photo at a wedding we were at. Uh, My mum was a bridesmaid for the wedding. And recently, this was a wedding that we went to for a cousin of ours, my brother Callum with a lot of hair on the right-hand side. Um, my sister Phoebe, um, really, uh, you could probably say here, the, the rose between the thorns. Now to share a bit about my story. Ever since I was a young child, actually before, when I was a really young child, I wanted to be a bin truck driver. Uh, I was so fascinated by the trucks as they went by in the morning, and my dad would recalls the time when he took me out, the first time he ever took me out to show me the bin trucks. And it was, it was the time when uh, the bin trucks blew like a jet of water or like air and water or something like that to blow the lid off. And then it, it, it dumps the, the rubbish. 
And I was standing there incredibly excited, incredibly excited with the whole situation until that... And apparently I just, just lost it. I just broke down in tears. I was terrified. But apparently I recovered from that and really wanted to, to drive bin trucks one day. But after that, that novel, the novelty of that wore off for me, I set my eyes fixedly and firmly upon becoming a medical doctor. Specifically, I always wanted to be some kind of a surgeon, a neurosurgeon. That's what I really was passionate about, and I set my goals on that. I grew up in a, in a home that I could say confidently was one of the, the most one of the most ideal environments that I could ever grow, grow up in. And I thank the Lord for that. And I really want to encourage those of you who are parents and who are raising young children to know that your work is the most important work. Because do you know what the first Bible that I ever read? wasn't this one. I only bought this uh, this year sometime. The first Bible that I ever read was my parents. Through the way that they interacted with me, with one another, and with the people around them, I began from a childhood to learn to love the God of my parents, to learn to, to love the scriptures and the stories and things like adventures and things like that make a massive difference in the life of young people as they're learning to understand the world around them. And so you might be asking the question, why in the world am I preaching today and not in an operating theatre? I want to share just a, a, a very brief perspective of, of how God called me into the work that I'm doing today. Um, one of the things that I absolutely loved doing when I was younger was sport. Any, any kind of sport, except for the rough ones, was never big enough for those, nor interested in them. But I loved endurance sports, cross country and swimming. Um, actually did a lot of swimming when I was younger and I enjoyed, I, I really enjoyed school. And I think just, just for fun to share, just so you can get, a, get a, a, an idea of my personality as a young boy, guess what the worst thing I ever did in primary school was? I shared food out of bounds. The double whammy, two bad things together, I shared food out of bounds and I didn't even realise that, that I'd broken anything. And when I got roused on because of that, I broke down into tears. I, I just remember where it was. I could take you to the place right now and we were sharing, you've ever had those things called eucalyptus drops? Uh, in that little green and gold bag, they were, our tuck shop um, thought that they were great for kids. So um, we, 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 I had one of those, and my friend had oval teenies, oval tines or oval teenies or something like that. It's an orange bag. It's like, they taste like compacted Milo. That's, that's, that's what they taste like. And so we were doing the grand exchange behind the tuck shop and got roused on and that just, I was done, and my criminal life was over from then. <laughs> it was, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just have such fond memories of, of um, my, my dad in particular was so instrumental in my life in, in, in helping me to become the person that I am today. Both of my parents are amazing people, and I've learned from them amazing things regarding faith and, 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 and knowing God. But I, you know, as, a, as a young boy, I really had a special relationship with my dad. I had one of my, the grandest and greatest things that I could ever think of when I was younger was going to work with my dad. My dad is a glazier. He owns a, a glass company, uh, a small glass business up in Queensland in Ipswich. And the uniform that he had in those days was a, a maroon T-shirt with Greg's glass his name's Gary, but it's Greg's Glass because he bought the business of a guy named Greg. And the phone number and the green pants and the steel caps. 
And one of the greatest days of my life was when my parents went and bought me the same shirt, a little one, and got printed on the back a small Greg's glass and whatever with my name with a little smiley face underneath it. And I was just devastated because my dad had, you know, might be Bisley or some kind of heavy-duty workwear pants. And they, you know, they were quite short back in those days. They're getting a bit longer now. Um, but they were heavy-duty work pants. And you can't get any heavy-duty work pants for people who are, what, six and seven and whatever like that. And so I had to have these uh, pants that were like, almost like track suits, but short green ones. And I remember just being so just disturbed by the fact that I had to have these, they weren't real work pants. And I wanted to have the exact same pants that my dad had. And also, I had these brown boots, but they were dress boots. They weren't steel caps. They don't make steel caps for little, little guys. And I, I just remember I was devastated one day because I, I somehow misplaced that, that maroon T-shirt. And I remember looking at my brother's. It was too small, and it had Callum written on it. It wasn't going to work for me. But that's just a little perspective of me and my dad when we were younger. And I used to... My, my dad was... Oh, God gave him wisdom um, because... He would take me to books like The Great Controversy and read the final chapters of what it's going to be like in heaven. And as a young, young guy, I was just like, wow. I, I was like, I love this. this. This lady, she got to see heaven. This is awesome. From, from a very young age, I was just, just soaking in all of these beautiful things that we've been given to understand the world around us and what's going to happen soon. And so it's very easy for us to think if we've grown up in a home where parents love each other and there's a kind of a cohesion, there's a connectedness, there's a, a safety network, we can kind of think that, you know, we've got it made, that this is where all that Jesus ever designed us to be. But the point had to come in my life where my faith was not in my... my it was not... I was not living uh, my... It, Christian experience vicariously through my parents. I had to make it my own. I had to make it my own. And the experience of me coming to know Jesus for myself was one of the most powerful things ever. Unless I, unless I make uh, this perspective sound like I had the perfect childhood, I've, I've since, as I've, as I've become older and lived away from home, I know that their things, were not, things were not perfect all the time. And I know that things were not ideal all the time. But God, when I look back on it, I just see all the good things that God was doing during that time. One of the things that made a big difference for me was I read the book Great Controversy when I was at, at the end of grade 10. And it was just a very natural thing. My dad and my mom were so... They didn't try to ram anything down my throat. They just lived the life that that the, the Bible presents. They followed the example of Jesus and my heart was one before I even opened the book for myself. Now, I knew at age three I'd memorized the Ten Commandments in King James. Um, I grew up in a home where it was, I, I was learning from a very young age um, the things of God, but I had to make it my own. And so I read The Great Controversy and that just, that just stumped me. Um, reading about the history of of. God's truth and God's people right from the time of Christ right to the very end of time. And if you haven't read that book, I challenge you to read it. It will change your life. If you like history, if you like learning about European history um, and American history, this is a really good book for you to read. Um, I really encourage you to read it. And after reading that, I started becoming a whole lot more serious in my personal relationship with God. 
I no noticed that as I started thinking about the future and thinking about my life, I realized that I wanted to pray a bit more. Now, back then, I didn't have my own devotional life. We had family worship morning and evening where we sung songs and we read the Word of God. But I hadn't really started praying for myself. And then I started finding myself kneeling down and praying, asking God for help, asking God for wisdom. I didn't really have a, an intimate relationship with Scripture. I didn't really study my Bible very often. But that came a little bit later. I remember in 2012, I believe it was, I was in year 12, so I graduated at the end of 2012. I had a, my dad bought me a brand new Bible, uh, the Remnant Study Bible, a beautiful uh, leather Bible from America. And I remember it coming. And when I held that in my hands, I, I realized that the time had come. And I just had this overwhelming attraction for me to read the Bible, and I started. I started going, where's that story? And I'd try to find it. I'd try to find it as quickly as I can. I'd read the story and I'd go, wow, that reminds me of something. And I started going back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. And I started reading. The more I started to read, the more I started to pray. I was um, in line to, to do a musical, middle of 2012. It was um, a musical which I'm probably glad I wasn't a part of. It was called Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Um, There's going to be a lot of tap dancing involved. So let's just count it as a blessing that I wasn't involved in that. Um, but somehow the scripts were lost in the mail. And that's a bit of an uncommon thing that you can't track down mail. But it was, it was lost in the mail for so long that they had to actually cancel the musical for school. And what I was able to do instead of that was go to a, a young adults convention called Witness Conference um, up, in, up in Brisbane, which is similar to an AYC where a whole bunch of young people come together um, there's amazing preaching, there's good food, there's good music. And I went to this and I was one of the singers there. And it was there that I just had a distinct call on my life. I remember one of the preachers made an appeal. And he said, if there, is there anyone here who is feeling a call to serve God in ministry? Now, for me, I'm wanting to be a medical doctor, right? But in, in that moment, I just had this overwhelming conviction. I think Lyle was actually there that year. I had this overwhelming conviction and I could hardly, I, I was, I, I didn't know what it was, but I was like so compelled that I found myself standing up the front, um, down the front there. And it, I just had this strong sense that God was stirring in my life to do something for him. Every single person in my family, my immediate family, my, my grandparents, their grandparents I, I found really love to live vicariously through their grandchildren. And they have a, a, a strong interest in what's happening with their grandchildren. And a lot of my grandparents were often, you know, talking to their friends, you know, my, my grandson is wanting to be a neurosurgeon and he's going to do medicine next year. And I had to bear the, um, what they thought was quite sad news, that that wasn't where God was calling me to be. So I kept working at school and I started studying the Bible every morning. This is my routine. Five o'clock my alarm would go off and I'd just roll out of bed. I was immediately awake. I don't have that these days. I just, it's hard to wake up these days. But I just rolled out of bed. And I'd just drop to my knees and I'd just start praying. I'd pray my guts out before God and I'd open the Bible and I'd start reading. And I'd read until I couldn't read anymore because if I didn't grab some breakfast and jump in the car, I'd miss, miss the bus for school. Now, this was year 12. This is the, the, the final year. I tell you what, I did less time studying my textbooks. I did all that, don't worry. But I, I spent more time reading this book. I prioritized it. The morning, I studied that. On the bus, I'd be doing Bible studies with people, and I, I couldn't give a, 
Bible study at that particular point. But I started doing a Bible study in the book of Revelation just straight out of the gate. Some of the mates at the back of the... I got their Bibles out and we were reading through the bits that I knew because I'd, I'd been to a lot of seminars. I'd watched a lot of DVDs. I had a general idea, but I hadn't really had much experience. And I started getting so excited about all this and I started praying to God, you know, oh, you, the Bible says pray without ceasing. And I said, God... If you've asked me to pray without ceasing, can you help me to do it today? And I can honestly say for that entire day, it was a day spent completely in prayer. Now, I went to math class, I went to biology and all these different things, but my, I was conscious that my connection with heaven was open at all times. Between, walking between classes, I'd be saying, God, is there anything I can do for you in the minute that I have before I go into the next class? And I remember one time, I, as soon as I said that prayer, a, a friend of mine, a young lady, turned around and just started asking me for prayer. She said, I'm just going through this time and I was able to pray for her and keep going on my way. And I just started this, this overwhelming joy and enthusiasm and excitement, just knowing that God is very real. On the bus on the way home, I'd be reading the book Desire of Ages. I'd be just devouring that as fast as I could. When I got home, I'd do all my chores and I'd head outside and I'd drop down on my knees under the stars. It was my favorite place to connect with God. And I'd start to pray. And for an hour to go by in prayer was like five minutes. You know, if, when we're exhausted, when we're tired, it just seems like, oh, you know, keep it short, sweet and to the point, you know. But I tell you what, I, I lost track of time when I was spending time with God in prayer every single night. And I'd look up and I'd be just tangibly aware that God was with me. And often I was in, in tears as I'd pray outside, pleading to God that God would help me to be the person that he's called me to be and to lead me in the way that I should go. I remember praying um, in my room at night time. I'd be reading scripture. And I was consciously aware of angels around me as I was praying. Not visibly, but consciously aware. I was just aware of their presence when they were around. And, and I'd always be looking up to God, just pleading for wisdom in my life. God changed the way that I treated people. The, the closer that I became to God, the, the more that I learned of him. Reading, you read Desire of Ages, that will mess you up. You see Jesus and how nice he is to people and how patient and kind, that's going to mess you up. That's going to make you want to pray more. It's going to make you want to be a better husband, a better wife, a better son, a better daughter, a better colleague. That's what looking at Jesus will do to your life. And so I was praying and in my grades, I, I always have loved to, to achieve well with my grades, but they even took a turn upward. And English, for example... That was one that I did, all, did pretty good in, but it wasn't the best. I just found my English... As I started reading the spirit of prophecy and the scriptures, my grades just took off. I'd study more of the scriptures, and I'd find that I'd get my homework done in like half the time. I'd actually do it all at school, and year 12 was actually the easiest year of my schooling. Seriously. It was just one of those years. And I found myself coming closer and closer to God. My brother... We, I just thank the Lord. We've had just great friendships, me and, me and my two siblings. Phoebe's the youngest, and we're all three years and one month apart. Exactly. February, March, April. And Phoebe and I are six years and two months to the day. It's pretty pretty um, <laughs> nice pattern right there. We've always had good friendships, but you know what it's like to, to have a, a brother or a sister. You know, there's contentions that can take place. And we've certainly had our fair share of those. But as I started getting to know God, things started to change. Rather than lecturing my brother about all the things that he's doing wrong and getting him to admit that he's wrong and just not let him, not, not stop until he's admitted, 
I started to ask God, I was one day in the car with my, I had a little Hilux, and my, I was driving them home from school or something, and my brother was on the other side, and my sister was in the middle, we were all squeezed up together in the Hilux, and my brother started just annoying my sister and just, just being plain mean. And what's the, what's the appropriate response in those, those, um, those times? It's just to let it rip. Let them know what they're doing is wrong and just, just convince them that they're wrong and, and, yeah, put them in their place. But I'd been studying the Bible. I'd been reading the spirit of prophecy. I'd been praying and getting to know God. And I started to realize that the Proverbs say, a soft answer turns away wrath. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, for, for God's sake, has forgiven you. Be kind to one another. And in that moment, my, inside of me, I'm just ready to let fly. I said, God, can you help me? Have you got an idea? What can I do in this moment? And God said, give him a massage. It's a bit dangerous when you're driving, but I'm, I'm not too bad at driving with one hand. So I reached across. Sisters here, I reach across, and I start massaging his neck. And in that moment, oh, all of the stress just flowed out of him. And he's, he's, he, was, he's, he, wasn't, he wasn't defensive anymore. He, was, he just became silent. And he later thanked me for that. And in that moment, I was like, this is awesome. I just realized that usually, you know, I would just, it would just be conflict and contentions and knocking heads. But in this moment, I realized I've just tapped into something that is the most powerful thing on the planet. It's a, it's a power called love. And I started going, oh, wow, my brother would be doing it at home again. And I found out recently what he was going through at that time. We often don't know what people are going through. And at that time, I just started going, God, what can I do for my brother right now to help him? And walk in. I come from a family that does a lot of massage. We love to show our affection and by giving each other a massage in the back. And I, my brother's in there. He's stressed. And I didn't know what he's going through. And I'd, I walked in there. <coughs> And I'd give him a massage. I'd get him water. I'd just be constantly thinking, how can I help my brother and my sister and our relationship just, just locked together with... And my brother, it was instrumental, I believe, our relationship together and bringing him to God. My brother, at the beginning of last year, uh, it was May, actually, Mother's Day, he asked me to come up and baptise him at a rise. And my sister, just the other weekend, asked me to come and baptise her as well. And the privilege that that was, is, it's indescribable. And I, I know that it's not always the case that we get to have relationships like that with our siblings, but I can tell you it's not because of me. If I had my way and did my own thing, we would be as far apart as a lot of families are. But Jesus made a big difference in my life. He transformed the way that I think, my perspectives. He, he equipped me with different armour and different weapons rather than the weapons of, of manipulation and condemnation. He equipped me with love and service and humility. And I've worked out and I've realized through my life that those are the most powerful weapons to transform someone else, to help them to be an influence for good. So this is all happening. I'm just pumped. I've never been through a more exciting period of my life than those moments where I'd be in tears just pondering the life of Christ. And I'd see him as he's washing the disciples' feet. I'd see him as he's dying on the cross that I might live, saying, Father, forgive them. And I'm just like getting messed up. I'm getting turned upside down or you could say right side up. All of us are naturally upside down with our values and our perspectives, but Jesus turns us around the right way again. And I'm going through all of this, and I started praying, God, what do you want to do with me? Bit of background again. It might surprise some of you, but up until around 2012, don't even begin to ask me to get up the front to speak. 
It's not just like, oh, that's not my thing. No, no, this is terrifying. <laughs> for me to get up and speak up the front was a terrifying ordeal. I remember I had to do a, a speech for uh, SRC in primary school in year seven, and I was, I was holding this piece of paper with all the adults there to report on what the SRC had done. Uh, we didn't do much. Um, <laughs> you don't seem to get much done in primary school. But w- I was holding this thing, and I tell you what, that poor paper, it was getting shaken like... There was no tomorrow. <laughs> I was terrified. I was shaking. My knees were quivering. And that carried right on. Put me behind a guitar, that's fine. But if I'm going to speak up the front, find someone else. I remember at, in year eight, I loved, I've always loved to memorize things. And I had a speech for year eight. Uh, I remember the, the product that I was advertising and whatever. And I started to, to, I got up the front and I'd memorized it, the whole speech, word for word. And I got up there and I just went blank. And I started to, my mouth went dry. I started to shake. And I had to do the walk of shame down to the back of the classroom to grab my, my notes and sheepishly walk up the front and read them without even looking up. That was me. You're right, 2008. That's, that was me. And, and right through, um, I, and I was a prefect in, in year 11. And they asked us to do a worship here and there. And I tell you what, I'm just really glad that I didn't pass out and drop over on the concrete. That's how nervous I was. And no one had ever in my entire life said, hey, Braden, you should try doing ministry. And I often get really upset when, when I hear people, there might be a, a young person at school who's a really good speaker, and they said, oh, you should be a pastor. Since when has the ability to speak been like a criteria for being a minister? That's, you gotta, like, there's a lot of professions that you need to be able to speak well in. And I often find my friends, you know, they'd always be asked, oh, you should do, you do ministry, you're great at speaking. And no one ever said that to me because I couldn't speak in public. And also, I was very, very clear, I'm going to become a medical doctor. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. But I started to find this strange stirring as I'm reading through the book's messages to young people, this compilation. And I was starting to reading about things that the highest work on planet Earth is the work of a gospel minister. And there should be no belittling of that work. And, and, and the, the greatest need in our world is the, the need of young people who will be just who will be like as, as true to the um, to truth and to right principles as the needle is to the pole, who in their innermost souls are true and honest. And I started to realize, wow, like all what I want to do is go into a, the medical f- field and, and, and help people there. Uh, that's what I really want to do. But I started to realize that the greatest need in our world is not another surgeon to be able to, to do operations. That's not the greatest need in our world. The greatest need in our world is people who will labor to help people in their spiritual lives because that is the root of all of the problems. And I started to feel this calling, but I can't speak in public. God, why would you ever call me to this? Medicine and preaching that was a, and, and being a pastor, that was the two things that I had to make a decision on. It was coming to the end of 2012 and offers were coming back from university. I've been accepted into a number of universities to, um, to do medicine and I'd, I'd achieved the, the grades that I needed to achieve, and I had to make my decision. I'd been praying about it for months. Serious prayer. When I, when I say pray, I mean spending an hour at least every day on my knees just praying to God for wisdom and guidance in my life. And the day came that I had to make a decision. All of my family, my immediate family, my extended family, not that they were opposed to me doing ministry, or going to Arise. Arise hadn't even come to Australia at that point. 
um, but I knew I wanted to be a Bible worker at some point. They were encouraging me, just, just start medicine for a few years and then you can defer and do Bible work and then go back into it again. But I just wasn't sitting right. And so I remember I knelt down by my bed one day and I started to pray. And I prayed, God, today is the day. You have to tell me today. Do you want me to do medicine? Is medicine a good thing? Absolutely it is. If you're in the medical field, that's an amazing opportunity to serve God. Whatever occupation you have, that is an amazing place to serve God. For me, I was looking at I could serve God in any role, really, any occupation. I could do God's generic will, which is to love people and serve them. But I started going, God, I know what your generic will is for my life, but I want to know your specific will. I want to know exactly what you want me to do. And I I plead that you'd help me right now. The Bible says, you will call upon me and I will answer you. My favorite um, Bible verse is Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And I claimed that promise that day and I said, God, you've said that you will direct me and I need an answer now. And peace came upon me and as I, as I knelt there by my bed, I felt this strong conviction from God to go to our library. Um, it wasn't a very big one, but it was where all of our books were kept. And I walked in there with the peace of God in my heart and I walked in there and there's one book that just stood off the shelf. It was just, I just knew I had to go to that book, and it was the book called Gospel Workers. Some of you might be familiar with, with that book. A big, long uh, row of red books, and this one book, I just had to read that book, and I opened it up. And I opened up to the middle, and I started to read. And I just felt God telling me, don't read there, turn left. And so I started to turn left. And I started to read again, and I felt God say, not there, turn left. And so I kept turning left. And finally... I had the peace. God said, read. And I looked down at this one sentence. And I remember the moment well. It said, There are some who are being encouraged to enter medical lines who should be preparing to enter the ministry. Isn't that amazing? And I sat there and unashamedly, I'll tell you unashamedly, I just started to cry. I dropped down on my knees and I said, God, you have spoken to me today. And no matter what, all the challenges, all the different things, I know that you've called me here and I'm not going anywhere else. It doesn't matter what anyone says, I'm going to serve you in ministry for the rest of my life. No matter what anyone says. And from that moment, my mind was made up. I wanted to do something like a rise that hadn't come to Australia yet. Finally got word that it was, and I called Matt Parra. And I said, Matt, you've got to book me in. Don't let me miss out on this thing. Probably one of the first people that called him, just harassing him every now and then, asking for more details about it. And I went to a rise. But backing up a little bit, I was still nervous. I couldn't speak in public. And I was given an opportunity as school captain of Brisbane Adventist College to preach a sermon at the end of the year. And because of all that God had done in my life, I said yes. I was nervous. What am I going to do now? But when I stood up to preach that day, I did not have one skerrick of a nerve, and I've never had one since. As soon as I said yes to obey the call of God, from that very moment, I've never ever had a nerve in public speaking, and it's just sometimes creepy. Sometimes I go, Braden, you should be a little bit more nervous now. Um, There's a bit of pressure, or you should be a bit nervous. But no, God's taken it all away and has helped me to become the person that I am today. I did a rise. I did Bible work for the conference at Woi Woi. 
I was then asked to go back to Arise and work there for the next two years. I went up to Moree, I worked for two years out there, and this is my second year here at Maitland. And it was actually Terry. We were at the Grey Nomads down at Jindabyne, and another call, another call that God just had there. I was, I was speaking one night, and Terry walked up to me and said, what, what are you doing next year? He says, I feel that you should come and work at Maitland. He talked to Justin Lawman. Justin Lawman already wanted to put me here, and that's the reason why I'm here. It's amazing. Every step of the journey, God has just been faithful. Faithful, faithful, faithful. He's never let me down once. And the greatest work that he's done is in here. It doesn't matter what environment I go into. If you want a tough environment, go live at Moree for a while and do Bible work. That hurts. That, that hurts. Daniel, you know some environments around here that, that would be the same thing. It's hard. But it doesn't matter what the environment is, God is faithful. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. There's a quotation here. Um, I'm going to read it because you can't really see it there. The book Desire of Ages, it says this, When the Spirit of God takes possession of the heart, it transforms the life. Sinful thoughts are put away. Evil deeds are renounced. Love, humility, and peace take the place of anger, envy, and strife. Joy takes the place of sadness, and the countenance reflects the light of heaven. No one sees the hand that lifts the burden or beholds the light that descends from the courts above. The blessing comes when by faith the soul surrenders itself to God. Then that power, which no human eye can see, creates a new being in the image of God. Isn't that a powerful quotation? Creates a new being in the image of God. We're going to look at one verse in Isaiah chapter 61. If you can turn with me there. Actually, I'll read verse 1 to 3, and then we're going to read verse 11 to close. This is what Jesus wants to do in your life today. Not tomorrow, not in a year's time, but today if you are willing. Speaking about Jesus, this prophecy says, Isaiah 61 verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. Notice this, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Everything that you have to offer to God is just like ashes. And he says, you give me those ashes, I'll give you beauty. Give me your broken heart and I will give you joy. I will transform you from the inside out and you'll be like trees that I have planted and looked after and nourished and you will grow and flourish, bearing the fruits of the Spirit in your daily life. Verse 11. For as the earth brings forth its bud... And the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. I don't know what kind of environment that you live in. I don't know what kind of soil that you are planted in. But you have the promise from God that He will cause righteousness to spring forth before all nations. Jesus came from Nazareth. I come from Ipswich. 
We all come from environments that are not ideal, but God can cause righteousness to spring forth. And if you look at your life and you realize that your life is not what it's ought to be, if you look at the junk that's in your life and you just think, how can anything grow there? God says, I will cause righteousness. Righteousness, what is that word? It's a Bible word we don't use very much. But righteousness is right thinking and right doing. Right being. That's who God has called you to be. And he says, if you're willing, I'll make it spring out of your life. It'll come out of nowhere. It's going to be a miracle that you will just be jumping up and down excited about. And I want to challenge each one of you today to make a recommitment to the Word of God because it's through this book that I am who I am today. It's because of Jesus, because of what He has done for me. And I look forward to seeing what God will do in my life in the future. And I know that He has plans just the same for you. If you want guidance in your life, ask Him. And He says, call on me and I will answer you. Call on me and I will answer you. Is there anyone here who wants to, once again, be recreated on the inside from the inside out in allowing Jesus to lead your life. Is there anyone who would like to stand up and say, yes, that's me? Praise the Lord. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, you are an amazing God and you do amazing things. I thank you, Lord God, for taking me. You know, you know and have seen everything in my life and yet you love me still. I want to pray for each head bowed here today, Lord God, and I praise you for those decisions. Thank you, Lord God, that even though you know us the best, you love us the most. And I pray, Lord God, that you would cause righteousness to spring out of our hearts, cause righteousness to spring out of this church. May people know that we have been with Jesus and that we have been transformed by your grace. May your spirit descend upon us, Lord God, in your holy name. Amen. To close our service today, we're going to sing the beautiful song, I Surrender All.
Lord, as we go from this place, may you go with us. Please do not leave us or forsake us. Please be our strength and our shield and our supreme joy. Help us, Lord God, to be better, better people. Help, help us, Lord God, for those who are here, Lord God, to be better husbands, better wives, better sons, better daughters, better friends. And I pray, Lord God, that you would be in us and live your life through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This message was made available by Adventist Streaming. For more resources like this, visit adventist-streaming.org. at Center for Health in Bulgaria today and with me is Rossi Erfurt. Welcome Hi. to the program Rossi. Thank you. <laughs> it's lovely to have you with us and it's lovely to be here too visiting this place. Obviously this is a lifestyle center where mm -hmm. we are at on location and you have been working here mm -hmm. I understand for a quite a bit of time is that right actually the first time i came before this place was open there was a short training a summer training and this is um the first time when i found out about lifestyle medicine all these different treatments okay and uh, yeah later i did a longer course and this one they invited me to help also in the health center yeah. as part of the team oh good so what kind of things do you do in your work here yeah, well, one of the main things is massages, also mm -hmm. helping with the hydrotherapies, teas, mm -hmm. and yeah, juices, smoothies, all these kind of things. Okay. Sometimes a little bit with um, yeah, health lectures, exercise, anything that's needed and that I can help with. Okay, so quite a variety of different sort of treatment things with with the lifestyle guests. Yeah, uh, what I like about these places through the years, uh, I really loved the team I worked with, mm -hmm. the doctor and mm -hmm. uh, the other people from the team and they are really helping me develop in different areas I'm interested in and uh, yeah I, I really like that. That's good you've got those chances to gain experience. Yeah. Mm. So can you share with me maybe how you've come to appreciate lifestyle health principles? Like obviously working in a lifestyle center you would naturally be picking up some things and applying them in your own life. Yeah. Can you share with them well, me some of that? Appreciation really came with application. As yeah. soon as I started applying it, seeing the benefits for myself, uh -huh. this is when I started getting excited about it and also sharing with others what mm -hmm. these principles, these simple things has done have done in my life. Okay. Like exercise whenever I have a lot of stress or many things to do or even more mental work for example this has been the best uh, the more intense exercise i do or like simple things like conscious showers this is just so great for it's giving me energy yes. to manage better with what's coming and uh -huh. yeah, just having experienced that i can encourage also others mm -hmm. yeah just as soon as i apply something and see how it works 
this then you you begin to really appreciate it right mm, yeah mm, very good so is there one of those principles that you is your favorite that you actually really well, like it's the one that i'm really struggling with and okay. i have to be in a really on a regular basis i'm struggling but like when i have stressful moments this is when i know i need it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like my emergency pill yeah but what i really love is healthy cooking and uh-huh. wild edibles smoothies and all these things okay. i love experimenting with foods and uh uh-huh. yeah both of my husband we are both interested in this area and yes. we just love cooking baking and trying different tastes mm-hmm. and just seeing and also showing others how Healthy food can be also very tasty. Yes, that's <laughs> always good to hear and to try. <laughs> and there are just so many possibilities yes. with, with these foods. It's mm. just endless also when you start adding the different wild edibles from the different areas. They mm. have their own taste and it's interesting to learn. We've been traveling a lot around Europe and okay. learning about the different cultures more specific way of a specific way of eating and yes. it's been really interesting to yes. learn and yeah, applying new things in our way of eating and so yeah. you said something about wild edibles. Is yes. that like is that greens or yeah that we pick uh, from the when we go to the forest or the fields? Okay, like dandelion and sting nettles and some oh, other interesting. Yeah. So you just gather these from out in the forest and yes. make smoothies or different cooking things yeah, with it. Yeah, I love sometimes eating them just like that or in oh, salads, smoothies. Ah. We can eat. We have even made like little candies from these. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, in combination with dates or honey, and yes. I just love the combination of greens uh-huh. and um, like sweet or yes. nuts or something like that, like in a smoothie. Uh-huh. Uh, it's my energy drinks. Interesting. <laughs> and what I appreciate about our edibles, mm. like for example, in my country, mm. it's quite expensive to buy greens from the store. Ah oh, yes. And also the question comes. How, how do they grow these? Do mm. they use some pesticides? Or you never know. So the best is even if it's organic, mm. there's still a question mark. Yes, right. Yeah, mm. even though in European Union there are certain regulations, we're still you never know what's yeah. being put on them on yeah. the way to the store. Uh-huh. And so for me, the safest thing is I just go in a clean place in the nature where I know that it's clean and it has had enough sun and. The more I've been learning, they're really so dense in nutrients and they're also free. Yeah. So it's just so exciting. Yeah, I love these, especially my sting nettle Uh smoothie. It's like people who drink coffee in the morning. For me, this is my energy drink. (laughs) It's just so tasty. And yeah, Yeah. I love it. Do you put fruit with it? Yeah, well, sometimes banana. Oh, I yes. have banana, that's my favorite combination, mm. but any other fruit will work. And okay. I like to make it more like creamy, yes. with less liquid. Yes. Yeah, but also with any milk, like I love to make tahini milk, it's just the easiest oh, okay. because it's not so easy to find vegan milks in my country. So yes. I just put a little bit of tahini with water, oh, some fruits, perfect. and the steaming nettles, and it's just the perfect oh, <laughs> the start of the day. <laughs> wow. That's that's amazing. That's that's so practical and simple, but obviously yeah. and also benefits. cheap, yeah, <laughs> affordable. That is a huge thing. Yeah. A lot of people struggle with food and, yeah. and paying for food, and they although there's also the struggle of finding that the healthy food is more expensive, and then exactly what to do, <laughs> especially in the country like Bulgaria, we're still a developing country in the European mm. Union. We entered mm-hmm. later than other countries, mm-hmm. and like in Germany, it's very 
affordable to be uh, eating plant-based. You can find everything sometimes even cheaper than mm. uh, yeah, eating a different type of diet. But in Bulgaria, people say, how can I eat this way? It's just, I cannot afford it. Yes. But then you can show that you can get a lot of nutrients and even more just by these few simple yeah, tips, like picking greens and Probably, yeah. yeah, just wild greens growing. That's interesting. That's, that's so good. Thank you so much for sharing those things. I'm sure that will be helpful <laughs> for people. What I'm wondering now is how has your experience with living a healthy lifestyle influenced your spiritual life? Well, I've really noticed whenever I am really keeping these things, drinking water and doing exercise and eating this way, uh, my mind is so much more clear uh-huh. and also yeah, being in the sun, breathing fresh air, it's the best medicine and also prevention against disease. Yes. And whenever I would neglect it for some reason, be it stress or yes. yeah, too much to do and I'll just forget or neglect it, I just see right away how uh, my mind wouldn't be as clear when I sit and read my Bible or mm. yeah, just any mental work actually is much harder, takes more time to concentrate and mm-hmm. understand things as mm-hmm. I would if I apply these principles during my day. Yes, yes. So it's really clear connection. Okay, uh, you've noticed yeah, quite clear connection. It's helping you to be sharpest, more spiritually yeah. as well as mentally. So that's that applies to everyday life in <laughs> exactly. what you do too, doesn't it? Yeah. Very good. Now, so if you were to meet someone obviously you meet people a lot here in the center people who are wanting to change their lifestyle what kind of things would you tell them um i guess that would be good strategies or principles to think about if they're wanting to make changes in their lifestyle well one thing would be to make a to apply principles creatively as they can make Mm -hmm. it possible in their schedule okay Uh, like sometimes i put too high goals and then I get too disappointed Uh, and uh, discouraged mm -hmm, early mm -hmm. when if I put like more possible goals and achieve them one by one. So it's like starting up with one thing, one principle, Mm -hmm. one simple thing like I'll drink two liters of water a day. Mm -hmm. When I create this habit and I make it without thinking too much, I can apply the next thing and Uh then the next thing and this way I will create these habits. Yes one by one and I'll build up to this lifestyle. Okay. And eventually yeah. it'll be more and more successful with all the bits that I'll have. than having ups and downs and ah, um, uh-huh. eventually giving up yes. too early from something that's really worth it. Yes. Okay. I if think... we just have the persistency and yeah. Yes. Okay. That's, I think that's a very good way to think about it. Cause, um, one step at a time. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yes. Yes. No, definitely. Because, um, we have a saying, I don't know if it's over here in Bulgaria, but in Australia, sometimes we have this saying and it says, you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, if something seems so big, you just start small and you'll get there. So that's, that's so encouraging for people. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. which is exactly what you're sharing. I think that's great. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us your experience thank you. and um, your, your little bits of advice. Um, We have been recording here on site at Center for Health Lifestyle Retreat in Bulgaria. And we've been talking with Rosie Erfurt and uh, she's been sharing her experience. 
and um, thank you so much for listening to this program, Healthy Living Around the World. I'm your host, Casey Butler. God bless. Till next time. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.